And where we don't have information, we'll make it up. Our brains are the ultimate conspiracy theory machines. They do a great job of making up a bunch of BS. Now that is probably the most important part of the work that I have learned from Scott is to clear myself of erroneous thinking. You want to transform yourself and improve your life. You long to help people. You wish to become healthier, happier, and more successful. This show is your opportunity to learn how to use hypnosis to make your life better. Each week, hypnotist Robbie Spear Miller interviews people who have already changed their lives in amazing ways with hypnosis. These models can help you discover your path to making the most of your life. If you want to learn how hypnosis can help you reach your goals, this show is for you. Hello, everybody. I'm Robbie Spear Miller, the host of the Hypnosis Show podcast. And today uh, we're welcoming uh, one of my longtime colleagues and wonderful hypnotist, Rita Lapart. She is the uh, owner of District Hypnosis in Washington, D.C. And she's here today to tell us um, about how we can manage stress better in our lives. So welcome, Rita. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. So Rita, why don't you start by telling us about what your interest has been in stress management and what personal experiences you've had to help yourself make that better in your life? Absolutely. Um, Confession here, I used to be an extremely stressed individual. Extremely stressed. My mindset was totally different than it is now. And when I tell people that, they're usually pretty shocked because I come across quite chill most of the time. But yeah, I uh, have learned a few skills that have completely changed my life. Hypnosis probably being one of the key. Um, My uh, interest in hypnosis went way back to the 70s when I first started using hypnosis. Um, And then I took an interest in it, uh, reading about it and learning about it more. Um, And I went into kind of a journey searching for ways to make life better, my life better, my perspectives better, using the mind in a more resourceful way, and probably going on a few tangents of trying to figure out how the universe works, which I uh, will let you know when I get there. Um, So I uh, spent a bit of time uh, doing metaphysical work. And in that work, I uh, took a love to sound therapy. Sound meant a great deal to me. I was a music major in college, so you can well imagine how I gravitated to that. So um, I started working with tuning forks and certain frequencies, um, seeing how these uh, affected uh, body and mind. Uh, We are already using it uh, quite a bit and always have used it quite a bit in healing arts. Um, Ever since the first person hit their thumb with a hammer and yelled out, ow, that was healing ourselves through sound. Uh, And... Among the things that I discovered, jumping over to where we are now, is that the frequency of 128 is a very, very relaxing frequency. It ignites a bit of nitric oxide to release in our bodies. Now, nitric oxide, just as we have a stress response, we also have a um, relaxation response. And so basically it goes through our body. It's a natural gas that our bodies make that calm us down. And it moves right into the cells, puffing up kind of like a lung, 
and then collapsing. And it actually relaxes you. Uh, and so I became more fascinated with sound. And as I did, I would be working on people uh, doing uh, Reiki and other uh, other types of energy healing. But I started using my voice more and more. Voice is probably the most healing instrument of all because it comes right from our own uh, resonance. And so as I did, I started using hypnosis. And as I did, I realized that I probably wanted to learn a lot more about it and become certified in it. And the rest is history. I decided this was the way I wanted to go. So, and that's how you and I met, as we both have the same amazing mentor, Scott McFall, uh, where that's really where things started taking off for me, where I was able to reconstruct a lot of the way that I saw things, a lot of the ways that I brought new awarenesses that give me resource and capability to change my perspectives, to change how I took attitudes on and switched to others that were better for me. So there's uh, where the work of hypnosis really does the most work, most change for us, is how it works with us in our, uh, in our mind. Mm-hmm. As uh, everyone here listening probably already knows, is that hypnosis is how we reach the subconscious mind. We have automatic reactions, reactions to things. And these reactions are sometimes useful. Uh, that's how the uh, subconscious mind takes over a lot of the things that you've learned. Uh, driving a car, uh, uh, even walking, everything you do, 95% of it is really in your subconscious mind and it's automatic. Very little of this is working consciously, but every now and then we learn something that we probably don't need to keep repeating. Now this brings us to stress. When we become stressed, it is a state that is actually quite primitive. It's the fight or flight. And the fight or flight, um, was what we needed to protect ourselves when we were primitive. We were um, primitive for millions of years, and we've only been civilized for something close to 10,000 years. So in our primitive state, we were prey. Everything was life or death, everything. And so we needed to have a way to protect ourselves. And so it was kind of like putting uh, nitrous oxide now that's quite different from nitric oxide, uh, into a dragster. You give uh, this extra push to the system where in, uh, in the stress state or this fight or flight state, what happens is that when we have a danger, we need to either run or, uh, or fight. The first initial uh, um, for many is to freeze, like a rabbit will suddenly freeze and try to be, uh, become invisible. But if that doesn't work, then we'll go to the next and we go to the next. And different people will have um, have one or the other being their immediate response. So in that state, um, when things were life or death, what happened is that everything that had anything to do with danger would suddenly become narrowed into our focus. That would be all we can see. The heart rate would come up more, bringing more blood to the muscles in case of a fight to the death more oxygen coming to the brain. Uh, The energy in our system would move out of the visceral section and into the extremities because that's where we needed to have the work. Our um, digestive system would shut down uh, and we would uh, be ready now to take care of ourselves. But 
where we are right now, everything's not life or death. But our neurology has not caught up to our current situation. The boss calls you into the office. <gasps> oh my gosh. He's probably upset about that report that I wrote. I knew I shouldn't put that last sentence in. Oh my gosh, he's going to fire me. He's going to fire me. I know it now. I know that he was going to fire me last month and three months before, but no, no, he's really going to do it this time. He's really going to do it. Mine, meanwhile, I'm in there building myself up because oh, if I get fired, I won't have any money. I'll be homeless and then I'll die. Well, he wants to know if you can work on Saturday. <laughs> and this is the way we react. We start to get all upset because we start making up these stories in our head to try to explain a small piece of information. This is the way our mind works. It wants to have a linear understanding. It thinks through the storyline. And where we don't have information, we'll make it up. Our brains are the ultimate conspiracy theory machines. They do a great job of making up a bunch of BS. Now, that is probably the most important part of the work that I have learned from Scott is to clear myself of erroneous thinking. Yeah, well, I would, I would agree with that. And, and Rita, what, what I find really interesting about this whole theme is that the power of hypnosis and just going into hypnosis does relax us, but the real power comes from us changing our patterns, as you were explaining, right? Our old routines, so that we actually have a new framework within which to operate. So I remember when I first met Scott, which is like 15 years ago now, one of the things he said to me is, Robbie, you're a really stressed out person. And at the time I said to him, are you kidding me? You should have known me five years ago. This is nothing because I had improved, right? It had gotten better. <laughs> and he said to me, so? And, and so I hadn't really, like to me, because it was better than it used to be, I didn't realize how stressed out I really was because our bodies adapt and whatever we're used to seems like it's normal right? That seems like our baseline. And so there was this huge um, discovery of, hey, things don't have to be as big a deal as I was making them, or I didn't have to, you know, have as much tension as I did. And it really came from getting a lot of feedback from a mentor to see things differently. So one of the things that we talk about a lot is sometimes if you're in the bottle you can't read the label. So when we have clients come to meet with us and at their first meeting, when we do a free screening is the time where we're giving them this feedback, everything that they can actually see about themselves. We're helping them uh, realize how they might be sabotaging themselves or where things might be getting in the way. So I'm, I'm sure you had a similar experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's eye-opening, heart-opening, and mind-opening. Uh, it all kind of works together. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's interesting that you would bring up that um, chronic stress that we get, uh, that we don't even know we're in. It's kind of like the frog in the boiled pot, if you've uh, ever heard of that analogy of a frog uh, sitting in a, a pot that's lukewarm water. He's fine, but if you boil it up, uh, he also doesn't jump out because he doesn't feel the difference. And so what happens is that chronic stress is probably the most dangerous of all kinds, the most dangerous. It, uh, as it builds, we're often unaware of that level. If I have um, two glasses here, one is half filled with water and one's full of water. If I try to pour it into the one that's half full, 
it'll overflow. If it is empty, then it goes in and holds just fine. So this chronic stress creates a real hair-triggered kind of reactions. So you can tell somebody's under chronic stress if they are getting more hair-triggered than they were in the past. That means that their stress their stress capacity is not as high. Mm-hmm. So, so let let's look at some examples for like. I think it would be helpful for for our listeners to hear maybe some stories about how you've helped clients or how I've helped clients get out of this and and have a new perspective, so that we can help the listeners learn how to do that as well. Absolutely. Um, one of my favorites that I uh, learned from Scott is. Uh, among the things that we actually need to do is to get out of the idea of trying to prove ourselves all the time. Get out of the idea that, that I have to be right or even wrong, that I can just be open and curious. And with almost every client, that's one of the uh, first things that I will do with them is bring them into this awareness of their core being without all the accoutrements of who we think we're supposed to be. So we're proving that we're proving that we're worthy or good enough or that people won't abandon us. Right? Yes, that we're smart or that we're part of the group or that we are um, mm-hmm. different from everybody else in a special kind of way. Probably most uh, pushing of all is that we are a good person. Finishing the sentence, in order to be a good person, I must blank. One of the things that many people have an issue with is how am I going to be seen by others? So what kind of rules do we have to be a good mom or a good spouse or a good worker, right? Or a good friend. And so people will sacrifice themselves and push really hard in those areas because it it feels like survival. Yes. Yes, it's a, it's an important part of survival to be accepted. Mm-hmm. It's part of how we how we actually do survive is to be part of a tribe, part of a group, and to be shunned from the group is dangerous. And so that again is a primitive instinct of ours. A lot of our reactions really do go back many, many, many generations that we've just been wired to be this way. And, and how I like to look at this is that we're actually with hypnosis and interrupting these patterns, we're taking it the other direction because what you're referring now is epigenetics where they've shown that if your ancestors went through extreme stress, your, genet- your genes actually change. And so even though you didn't experience the stress, you inherit the stress response that they developed. Right. And so yep. the cool thing is that here we're, we're undoing it. Like my, my sister... Um, said, you know, of course, I'm a really stressed out person. I'm Jewish. And my ancestors were persecuted for generations. So, right. And, you know, I, I had to say to her, well, I'm Jewish, too. And I've learned how to do it better. So, you know, it's, it's really kind of taking it the other direction that we can we can change ourselves and our genes and our children's outcomes because we're learning how to interrupt these patterns. And to me, that is the coolest thing about what we do. So, so to bring it all together, when you, you talk about this, the, the response our body has to sound, for example, 
right? And that frequency you were mentioning, um, or there are other stimulus in our world that, that definitely impact how we feel. Um, that those passive experiences can have an impact, but it's harder to keep them. Like I, I, one of my first trainers in hypnosis and NLP, he did, uh, he did a lot of energy healing and he had this business called pethealer.com and people would send him a picture and the name of their pet and he would heal them remotely. And one of the things he noticed was that pets were a lot easier to heal than humans because when you heal the human, you could you could move the energy to a better place, but they would just put it back because they would go and redo the same pattern again. Whereas pets, you know, they're just living in the moment and doing their thing. And and that to me, that's really the what what I think is so amazing about what we do is that we're giving people the opportunity to learn how to do that differently. To how to change that. So the, these patterns that you're mentioning and the stories you're telling, what happens is that often people have some kind of experience that they have a way to, they, they have a coping response to. I, an example I can think of is I had a weight loss client here years ago. And what happened with her was that her son had died of cancer when he was really little, like three or four years old. This was decades before I met her. And when that happened, she didn't take care of herself. She And she felt to be a good person. I must feel sad and mourn my son. And right. so she kept doing that for years and years. And it turned into decades. And she gained a, a lot of weight and had neglected her body and her life, really, in all kinds of ways. And, and that feedback of, of realizing, hey, you know, you don't need to stay stuck there what would your, what would your son want for you? Right. And if you keep doing this, what's it going to do to you? And her realizing that she was using that grieving. I mean, nobody would, would challenge somebody who's grieving their little boy. That's probably like the, the most awful, stressful thing anybody goes through. And so there, nobody in her family or friends would, would challenge her on that. Um, So I had to give her that feedback to say, Hey, you know, that was a long time ago do you see how you've been using it that that event as a blank check for all kinds of bad behavior and and just that one piece of feedback made a huge change for her it paved the way for her to make the weight loss possible and she went on to lose over 100 pounds um which is yeah and keep it off so so i think that's a really good example of how sometimes we start doing something and sometimes it's during a really intense experience in her case it was an adult experience often it's when we're little kids and we're trying to and and i bet you when she was a little kid she also was trying to prove she was a good person and her her son's death just made that even more intense and extreme um, but as children, we cope with life and how our parents are, how the world is around us. And the way we choose to cope, we tend to do over and over and over again. And without realizing, hey, maybe this isn't working for me, or maybe the circumstances that I needed this coping stance in are over. And so we need often to have some outside feedback and help learning a new way to do things. Absolutely. And this brings up an interesting point about uh, weight gain and stress. Um, as you probably have noticed, when people are under stress, they tend to gain weight right in the stomach area, right in the visceral section. Uh, 
And because when you're under this chronic stress, stress that lasts long and long and long, acute stress, which is like you see the bus coming for you and you better run, is perfectly healthy. That's, we need to be able to do that. But then it goes away. But the chronic stress that creeps up and just stays with you and stays with you has some effects uh, because it's a signal to your body that you are at war. And so certain things happen. The, you start gaining weight right in the section because that's where all your vital organs are. You can't sleep for very long because you have to keep getting up and run. We are still reacting very primitively because of the way our body is sending chemistry. And the weight gain is very, very common. And many people who are very overweight are also very stressed. Uh, I'm sure you've noticed that almost every one of your weight loss clients, you also have to work with stress. For right? sure. Yeah. And they're just trying to, because they feel under assault with stress, and often yeah. much of it is internally created. They're really trying to cocoon themselves. And so it feels better to soothe themselves with overeating and sitting on the couch and yes. getting that immediate gratification because they're feeling that they're in emergency mode, even though it's not really true. Absolutely. And uh, among the things that is the stories that we are milling in our head and how we're telling them to ourselves makes all the difference and how we will uh, be able to come out of these things. For example, in grief, many people will be thinking about the end, how horrible it is. It's almost like they want to go back and f figure out a way to redo it. And they keep going on about the end. But that only elongates the grief. It makes it last longer and longer. The healthiest way to process grief is to remember the person in the good times. Remember who they are in the good times and the good times that you had with them. Uh, I like to think of it this way. Uh, you don't have to adopt this opinion as your own, but I consider emotions to be a language that can penetrate dimension. And so you are a multidimensional being. You have a physical dimension, a mental dimension, a spiritual dimension, past, present, future, past lives, future lives, as many dimensions as you can imagine. There's dimensions of you. And so you can communicate within yourself through these dimensions through emotion now emotion is in your subconscious mind you're unaware of it until it translates out into your body into these things we call feelings and that lets us know we're having an emotion and so when we start making friends with these emotions because they are there's no bad emotions not stress or any they're just feelings our rightful state is happiness and when we're in a state of happiness we're whole anything unlike happiness tells us that we need to check something out um, an example of how it penetrates dimension, look at the dimension of time. Look how people can get upset about something that happened 10 years, 20 years back in childhood and find themselves all revved up about it again. This is called a resentment. And so this is a signal that you have to release a resentment. Now look at the word resentment itself. Re means to do again. Resentment. So it comes from the Latin term resentia. Re. Sent, uh, sentia, sentia, to do again, to, to live rather. So it means to live again, to live again. Because when I'm focusing on the past, I am telling my subconscious mind, give me more of that, because that's the language of the subconscious mind, vision and emotion. 
also the subconscious mind right there. Focus on this. This is what I want to experience. Mm. And so a resentment is very, very harsh because we get caught in those patterns because of our resentment. Right. We tell ourselves the story and we believe the story and then the emotions follow and then that uh, that feeds the story. And so we're, it's like we're creating a reality that doesn't exist. So if vision and emotion communicate to the subconscious mind, then taking that emotion away from our story and throwing it off so we neutralize that. Mm-hmm. Now that breaks the pattern. The um, the uh, the pattern of uh, getting out of resentment is the forgiveness process. Forgiveness means forgiving up your judgments. It's our judgments that have us getting into these resented feelings. This is anger that we're holding on to, and as Scott has pointed out to us often. Anger is a, um, an emotion. It's a secondary emotion that we use to cover up that we don't want to feel. It means that we think something's unfair, either to ourselves or to someone else. So I can jump into anger and I get to be right. And dang, never, come on, admit it. Don't we love our self-righteousness? We feel good when we're angry. We love it. Sure feels a lot better than being hurt or jealous. Get anyone to admit they're jealous. Nobody admits to that. They don't. They'll say, it's not, I'm not jealous. It's just not fair. They go right into anger. And so when we're holding on to a resentment, we're holding on to a judgment. And those judgments are what keep us stuck. Hmm. That's what brings us the same again and again, going round in circles, repeating the same pattern. It's like we want to relive it so we can do it again, so we can do it right, but we don't. We do it the same way because we don't really shift our perspective until we do. And that has to be a deliberate step out of that pattern. First, we have to be aware of our pattern. And then we have to be willing to step out into the unknown, taking a risk and doing it a different way. Yeah. So, Rita, you know what? I, I would love to switch gears here because I think that when, one thing you said at the beginning that I think is really important to point out to people is that when, when, we, when we get into fight-or-flight response and we're in stress, our ability to see perspective shrinks because we're focusing on survival, right? So we're going to, we're going to fixate on very narrowly on life. Now, if we look at how we live our lives and the choices we make, this can have a huge impact because there's this story, this really old story about the blind men and the elephant where these blind men come across an elephant and one of them feels the trunk of the elephant and they think it's a snake. And another one of them feels the leg of the elephant and they think it's a a tree trunk. And another one feels the tail and they think it's a rope. And none of them are right, but none of them can actually feel the whole elephant. And often when we're in in stress and our our focus is narrowed, we are in an even worse position. Nobody ever sees the whole elephant. That's that's the way it is. But we're in an even worse position to take in reality as it is. So one example is recently I spoke to somebody who's trying to build their business and they've been struggling with uh, building it up and getting clients. And their solution was to hire specialists in, in certain areas um, to help them. And, and I had to say to her, you know, this is really about you not feeling 
confident in you. You feel like because the business isn't doing well, that you're not doing well or you're not okay, which has put her in this, this stress mode. And so she's trying to grab onto solutions, but, but each of these people she's hiring, they don't see perspective. Maybe she's hiring a social media person. So they're going to do what they're an expert in, but they're not looking at her whole business and saying, here's the, the most high leverage thing you can do to build this. Right. Or maybe she's hiring somebody who does, you know, content writing for her and it's the same thing or somebody who Mm -hmm. who negotiates advertising um, or does her branding. And when you're a small business, kind of silly to do branding, you got to focus on client results. But each of these people all of that and uh, hiring too many people at once. Well, there's that too. But each of these people, (laughs) they're seeing a piece of the elephant and they're an expert in that piece. And so they they may do a wonderful job at what they promise her, but it doesn't mean it's good for the overall business. And so, so this ability, you know, and it's whether you're, you have your own business or you're just running your, your personal life or, or getting something done to be able to stand back and have perspective and and calm down enough that you can do that makes a huge difference in terms of the direction you go and the choices you make. And it really enriches your world that way. And so from a results point of view, um, getting the stress levels down is is a big deal. Yes, it is. Now, the thing about getting the stress levels down, how do we do it? So there are some quick ways that you can get your stress levels down when you find yourself uh, revving up and you're starting to get wired on something. And uh, one of my favorites is this. When you find yourself in that state of overwhelm or you, like everything's going to hell in a handbasket uh, and you're just feeling like everything is just wrong, 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 wrong in my life and you're stressed out, first thing you d- that you want to do is take a deep, long breath all the way in, bring it in through your nose and then blow it slowly out through your mouth. And then turn everything off inside of your head for a minute until you can hear a pin drop in your own head. Then, look around. Without saying anything or commenting on it inside of your head, just look and see what you see. Notice what you hear. Notice if there's a temperature against your skin or the clothes, how they feel against your skin. What do you feel? Is there a scent in the room, a taste in your mouth? Go through all of your senses and then ask yourself this one simple question. Is anything bad happening right now? 99.999% of the time, nothing bad is happening. That's what's known as getting present, getting real with ourselves. Because when we are present, we are in control. In stress, we feel that we're not in control. That's the problem. We think that we are we have no control because usually we're trying to take on things that we can't control. Uh, as Scott often says, many people are doing the serenity prayer backwards. Mm-hmm. The things we can control, we say, well, that's just the way I am. And the things that we can't control, well, that person over there, things that are not within our control, but we need to come back to where we are in control. You mentioned pets being healed faster than humans. And... There's a lot we can learn from dogs. Have you ever noticed how a dog operates? 
Every bite of food is just a delicious gourmet meal. Every game of catch is the Super Bowl. Every walk is the greatest walk ever. There isn't a single moment that isn't fantastic because they're constantly present. And they live these joyful lives most of the time because they're constantly present. And when we're present, life is good. It's only when I get up here that it starts to go south. Up here, there's a reason why they called the, um, the original sin to be uh, knowledge. It's not knowledge that is the sin. It's the corruption of it. It's when we start filling in, getting our own story about it. That's what made it difficult. That's where it all went south. Now we start living here, and this thing can be a horror show. But when we were living in reality, things are pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. So, so, what, nice. so that's one of my favorites to do. Yeah, I love that. And, and that, that helps us get into a place where we can plan for our future. Because as humans, we do have outcomes in our lives. So we don't want to live yep. in the moment all the time. Um, well, you want to be present while planning. Yeah. You can do both at the same time. You know you're planning. Mm-hmm. It's where you get the peanut gallery <laughs> that you don't even want that in your in setting your outcomes. Yeah. That what if what ifs what ifs all that you don't need mm-hmm. contingencies that don't exist. We don't need that. So even when we're planning, we can be present, and then we can envision it. But we know what we're doing. We're aware of what we're doing, and so. It's all of that clutter is where we go south. So one of the things to realize is that being able to calm ourselves down and and the technique you just taught us is a great one for that. Um, There are many ways to do that. That combined with getting outside feedback and changing our patterns um, is a powerful thing. So if we can settle ourselves down and see perspective and really be willing to take in the feedback from outside of us because everything we need to learn is out here in the real world. So when it, when a dog is catching a stick or a ball, they're in reality and they're, they're just chasing that ball or that stick. But if they were in their head, it would be kind of hard to do that. Um, so, so as we are able to settle down and do that, then having the outside feedback and interrupting patterns to complement that is a really powerful thing. And, and I think that that's really where, you know, when sometimes we have clients who come in and they say, oh, I downloaded a hypnosis audio from the internet. And usually they're coming to see us because they, they didn't benefit from it enough to change their situation so it might have helped them relax it gave them hope that hypnosis can help them the real power is in getting that outside feedback and learning how to do it different and sometimes even if we see what we're doing if we don't have a new option or a new way to frame things then Uh it's hard to change it and and we get even more frustrated with ourselves because we know we're doing it and we keep doing it anyway 
And so I think that um, that's an important thing to point out for people because even, you know, I, I've been mentored for over 15 years and I know you've been doing this for a long time too. And you're also, you have a mentor um, and having somebody in your life who can give you that perspective is a really valuable thing. And you're never done. There's never a time in your life where that wouldn't be helpful or useful for you. Um, so I think that that's an important piece of this for people to know. And, and especially if you are stressed, you need it even more. Sometimes when people are stressed, it's like a runaway train and they think, no, this is an emergency. I have to fix this. And until I fix it, I can't do anything um, when really they need to stand back and, and settle down. And, and I remember I used to work in computers. And when I had my first job, I was kind of insecure because I wasn't really fully trained to do the job, I had kind of snuck in at a time when it was during the internet boom, like when the internet first started and people were building tons of websites. And so I, I managed to sneak in and get this job. And I, I was working on this project and I had a deadline and there was a bug in the code and I couldn't fix it. And I was so frustrated because I, I felt like a lot was on the line. And this guy sitting beside me who had been hired maybe two weeks after me and was probably five years younger than me in his very cool way, way said to me, Robbie, maybe you should go get some lunch. And at the time I was pissed, right? I was like, who is he and how dare he? <laughs> And, right. and I, you know, but he was right. And the funny thing is that I was at that company for seven years. And by the time I left, this guy was the head of the company. And he yeah. he just knew how to have perspective and, and build relationships and interact with what was happening in a really useful way. But at the time, I, I did not like him. <laughs> I was not happy. And so sometimes even if people are giving us valuable feedback, if we're defensive about it or we believe our own our own story um, or we don't think oh, yeah. we can change the way we are, we're going to stay stuck there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's often the people that tick us off the most that end up being our greatest teachers. It's true. They start going places in ourselves where we need to do some work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? So sometimes if yeah. we're working really hard and we're stressed and we see people who are looser and more relaxed about things, sometimes we can be resentful of them and say, well, you know, they're yes. not doing anything. And it's really hard yeah. to model something that you are resentful of. So I think that that's an important piece. And, you know, along these lines, I often, uh, we have lots of women who come to the clinic for help, especially for things like weight loss and stress management. And so, you know, often it comes up that if they have a family and a, and a spouse that they're, that they, the women usually tend to do more around the house and they're more detail oriented. And in some ways, that's just the way that we're made as women. Um, and so, you know, it often comes up that if, if, uh, that their husband's a lot more laid back than they are. And I know my husband is, and I've learned a lot from watching him and, and, taking his feedback when he notices that I'm getting wound up. But some people, it really pisses them off because they say, well, hey, if I was like him, then how are the dishes going to get done? How are we going to eat? Right? The right. kids are never going to get to school. And right. so they'll dig their heels in instead of saying, hmm, maybe there's something useful to learn from that. And, and so I think yep. opening ourselves up to maybe the people who function very differently from us can be a very useful thing that way. Absolutely. Actually, if you look at people who are very, very successful, most of them, you often see pictures of them 
having vacations with their families. They've built these multi-billion dollar companies and yet they have plenty of time to play. Mm -hmm. It's not in the fact that they are ignoring themselves in order to succeed. They're actually taking care of themselves. Mm -hmm. Right. So it starts with the mood and their success was built from having perspective and then getting into detail when they need to, but always standing back for the perspective. Yep. Yeah. It also gives you the opportunity to release a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, uh, you've, I think you've done a session, I, uh, I think it was with Vicky on Ho'oponopono. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that's a great way to let go of some of these things that are um, becoming a block for ourselves. That's right. Uh, that forgiveness process is huge stuff, huge stuff. Great, Rita. Well, thank you so much. I think that we covered a lot of really interesting themes here to help people learn how to manage stress better. And it was a lot of fun. Lots of great stories and examples. Um, If you want to learn more about Rita, go ahead and share your contact info so people know where to find you. Certainly. um, You can contact me at info at districthypnosis.com. Or you can call my business at 202-853-8400. Great. Yeah. And if people want to learn more about how hypnosis can help you, you can also go to hypnosistraininggcanada.com. We have lots of free goodies there, things that you can learn. And if you're ready for the live experience, then we can set up a time for a free consultation to see if getting either training or one-on-one coaching or mentoring is a good fit for you. Yes. Yes. Great. Well, thanks so much, Rita. It was it was great to do this, and really interesting to hear your perspectives. We know we've known each other for a long time, and I I feel like through this conversation, I I know even more about you and where how you look at things. So it was really interesting. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity. Have you ever wondered if you can be hypnotized? Tune in next week and explore with us what helps you get the most out of seeing a professional hypnotist to get your goals. And to find out more about how hypnosis training can help you, go to hypnosistrainingcanada.com for more info and to schedule your free consultation. Remember to click the button to subscribe, share the podcast with a friend, and please leave us a review so you can help others benefit from the podcast too. Until next week. You've been listening to The Hypnosis Show with Robbie Spear Miller. Tune in next time to learn more about how you can change your life with hypnosis. And if you are interested in learning more about training opportunities, go to hypnosistrainingcanada.com and schedule a free consultation.